All right, if you'll take your Bible, please, today and turn with me to the book of Genesis. Once again, to the book of Genesis, chapter number 9. Genesis chapter number 9. I'd like to read just a few verses for your learning today. And today we close out the life of Noah and the flood. So we want to look at a few scriptures that we've looked at already before. I'd like to welcome all of you here today. We're glad that you're here. And uh, I hope that our folks treat you so many different ways. You're bound to like one, and then you'll come back to see us. All right? Good night. Look at all the folks in the balcony. Do you love those uncomfortable seats? Do you feel like you're sitting straight up maybe a little bit? I'm just trying to help your posture a little bit. That's what those seats are for. I'd like to blame everybody else for those uncomfortable seats up there. Maybe one of these days we'll put theater seats up there. That way you can sleep better, all right? Uh, but uh, it's so good to have you here today. Good to have all of our visitors with us. Uh, someone said we had a missionary to Australia with us today. And it's good to have those folks here today. All the way from Australia, just to hear our ladies sing a little while ago. Isn't that wonderful, all right? Good. Let me read you something out of the book of Genesis. Chapter number 9. Let me begin reading in verse number 18, please, for your learning. Now watch. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. The order in which those young men are named are not in order of their ages. Ham is the youngest. Japheth is the oldest. But Shem is the one that has priority because it's through Shem through which our Savior is to be born. So God mentions Shem first. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem, the father of the Hebrew race. Ham, the father of the dark races. Actually, uh, Ham is, means dark or Swahili. And Japheth, the father of the Caucasian race. Now, if you're not black or white, yellow or red, don't make any difference. We're all of the same family. There is no such thing as races. There was one race, and that is the human race. And God loves them all on an equal basis. Can't help it if you were born in Mississippi. <laughs> or Tennessee. Are we ready? These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Could I sp please speak to you today on this subject, the beginning of sin again. An earth that has been purged clean of a violent, wicked, corrupt society. Everything has been utterly destroyed except what was on the ark. Noah and his three sons, their wives, and Noah's wife. Everything is brand new. Could I speak to you again on the beginning of sin again? Noah did not leave his sin nature outside the ark. I'm sure Mrs. Noah took her sin nature with her in the ark. I'm sure after a year and three days in that ark, their sin nature probably did manifest itself. 
How long would it take you and your wife to have a Baptist disagreement? See, we don't argue we're Baptists. We just fight. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drunk of the wine and was drunken and was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died like we all will one day. Our Father, today I pray that you'd help us in these brief moments, help us to say just exactly what you want to be said. Lord, help everything be done today for your honor and your glory. Every gesture, Every facial expression, every motion, I pray, would be in complete control of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, you know my intent today. If there's one person here today who is not saved, not prepared for death, Lord, what a wonderful day it would be should they embrace our Lord Jesus as Savior and by faith trust him for eternal life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This text is so difficult today and it's difficult not only to preach but it's also difficulty to get a handle on What in the world is God trying to tell us? I do not believe there's one scripture in all of Holy Writ that is not put there to accomplish a certain purpose in the life of we who have access to it today in which we live. Just a brief review for some of those that have not been with us. Would you go back to Genesis chapter number 6 and let's review these few years that is involved in building an ark, in occupying the ark, enduring the ark, and then exiting the ark. And so let you and I look at it, if you would please. Notice Genesis 6 and verse 5. The Bible said, and God saw. What did God see when God looked down through the eons of time to the creation that he had created and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Look at verse 8. But Noah, within that kind of society and that kind of civilization, 
where that every imagination of the heart was only continual evil and a very violent society the Bible says about Noah but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord notice if you would please in verse 12 and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt and all flesh had corrupted his ways upon the earth verse 13 and God said unto Noah verse 14 make thee an ark Chapter 7, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. Chapter 8, and verse 1, After a year and three days, according to my tabulation, a year and 17 days, according to many others, God said that he remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. I would imagine after about a year in that closed up ark with all those animals and the, the wife and the kids and the in-laws. It would have been refreshing to Noah to remember that God has not forgot them. And God remembered Noah in the ark. Notice Verse 15 of chapter number 8, and the Bible says, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Get out of the ark. Noah stepped out on dry land, and the first thing he did in verse number 20 is he built an altar unto the Lord. Now I want to ask you something. I don't care who you are. If you had been Noah, and you had witnessed raining for 40 days and 40 nights and the windows of heaven were open and the firmament that held all the waters above the earth was suddenly turned loose and all the waters come crashing down and you had witnessed all the streams and rivers of the deep and the fountains of the deep come crashing up through the earth with volcanic uh, pressure and earthquake shakings. I wonder if maybe after you'd been in that ark for a year and, uh, and step out on dry land, I wonder if you could whoop up a thank you, Lord. If you're the only one, your family's the only family that escaped the devastation, the catastrophic uh, uh, destroying of all the earth, I wonder, could you muster up time to go to church next Sunday morning? I wonder if that would have took preface over the rangers, the rangerettes, the, oh, it's Mavericks, ain't it? I just wonder if maybe things would have been a little bit different in our priorities if we'd have been on that ark, stepped off that ark, and my family and I, the only living human beings, do you think maybe we could muster up, thank you, Lord? You know, you could just as easily have been born in Syria, Afghanistan, Iran, Ethiopia. Do you have any place in your heart, thank you, Lord, that you were born in the land of the free and the brave? You said, we got so many things wrong, but boy... We need to thank God for everything that's right. Can you say amen? Well, let me go on now because some of you look like you're getting bored already. So Noah built an altar unto the Lord, according to the Bible, and just built an altar and just worshiped God for a while. Notice chapter 9 and verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons. 
and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And he said, By the way, boys, I do set my bow in the cloud, verse 13, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you. Aren't you glad after every storm there's a rainbow? You say, scientifically, I can tell you all about a rainbow. You do know that a rainbow is not a half circle, but is a complete circle. You did know that the colors change momentarily as the raindrops disappear. You did know if you was in an airplane and flying toward a rainbow, it would be a complete circle because the horizon of the earth would not cut off the end. Do you know that there'd never been a rainbow before that one? Because there'd never been a cloud in the sky? There'd never been a raindrop. You're welcome. You say, I don't think, I don't put much stock in that rainbow. Well, you don't have to. God did it. And God owns all the stock in it. Amen. Now, let me help you a little bit. Our text, notice verse number 19 of chapter 9. And these are the three sons of Noah. And of them was the whole earth overspread. Let's you and I take a look first of all this morning and look at Noah the father. Secondly, we'll take a look at Noah the farmer. And then we'll look at Noah the failure. You say, what is that? It's the introduction. Noah the father. He fathered the heads of the human race. Shem took preface because it was through Shem that our Lord Jesus would be born. As we study through the book of Genesis, we'll notice that the line now will begin to narrow down. Jesus is the son of Adam, the son of Seth the son of Noah, with three sons, narrowed down to one son, Shem, to a family whose head was Abraham, to a king whose name was David, to a virgin whose name was Mary. Don't you ever forget Everything in the Bible revolves around Jesus Christ, our Lord. Even creation, the flood, the one who escaped, the father, Noah, the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Notice verse number 20, and Noah began to be a husbandman, a man of the ground, a tiller of the ground. And he planted a vineyard. He might have all have planted watermelons. Or maybe cucumbers. Very few people get drunk on watermelon juice and cucumber rinds. But he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. I wonder why Noah was a farmer. Probably because his daddy was a farmer. His daddy, Lamelech, was a farmer, a man of the ground who tilled the ground. Something else maybe Noah might have learned from his father. The Bible said Amalek took him to himself two wives. That makes him double stupid. 
That means he's got two mother-in-laws. Thank God mine's not here. I just had to observe that. Noah's father was the first one to uh, induce and introduce polygamy to the human race. Noah watched that. Noah was familiar with that. Maybe his past had something to do with his present. Notice, and the Bible said that he planted a vineyard and he drank of the wine and the Bible says that he was drunken. You know how you get drunken? You drink? How many drinks does it take to get drunken? That just depends on who it is. I know some guys could drink a 55-gallon drum of beer, and all they'd do is just burp and walk home. I know some guys drink three beers, and they're soused, absolutely soused. That guy who gets drunk on two beers is not very long a sociable drinker. First drink, social. Next drink, drunk. There's a law in the Bible called the law of first mention. This is the first mention of wine in the Bible. It's the first mention of drunk in the Bible. So it must be the first mention of fermentation in the Bible. I just wonder, for your learning now, I wonder if when the canopy was over the earth before the windows of heaven opened just a few years ago. And I wonder while that canopy of water was above the earth, that kind of guarded out the, 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 the rays of the sun. And uh, I wonder maybe did, would that create longevity of life? Would it might sustain uh, vegetables from... Uh, uh, rotten and sooner. Uh, I wonder if that canopy that kind of built around the earth that created a hothouse atmosphere, I wonder if it was possible for fermentation to take place in that kind of atmosphere. Did Noah know? that grape juice would ferment? Was Noah just as surprised when he woke up? Couldn't remember what had happened the day before. I'm just posing you questions now. You can answer your own question if you'd like. Do you know that in a society that was violent, and only fit for God to destroy, drinking was not mentioned. Before the flood, there was no mention of drink. Drunk, staggering, fermentation, wine. I don't think a person got to be drunk to be violent. I don't think a person need to be drunk to be wicked and, and, uh, and immoral. I don't know if Noah knew or not. And I don't see anywhere in the Bible that God condemns Noah for getting drunk. That does not mean it's not wrong because the drinking led to nakedness. It always does. You're welcome. And nakedness leads to the judgment of God on those who adhere to it. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, 
It's quieter here than it was the last funeral I preached. I'm talking to you about Noah, the father. I've dealt with you for just a minute about Noah, the farmer. But I want you to look now at Noah, the failure. The one that was spoken of in the book of Genesis, chapter number 6, as being perfect in his generation, walking with God, finding grace in the eyes of God. Look at him now in his tent, drunk, slobbering, sick, and naked. A preacher, the Bible said, of righteousness, according to Second Peter. According to the Hebrew writer, a man of faith, the Bible said, by faith, Noah moveth fear to the saving of his house, by which he got evidence that he was righteous before God. A righteous preacher that had walked with God 600 years. This wasn't just a... a, fly-by-night deal with Noah. Noah had walked with God and lived right for 600 years. And we see him now, naked, shameful, drunk in his tent. I think that's what I saw here. What happened? Not faithful Noah, man, for 120 years. He worked on that boat, and everybody jeered him and mocked him and persecuted him and laughed at him, and he just stayed right faithful to God for 600 years, perfect in his generation, walked with God, and a man of grace. Look at him now. Surely, that's not the same Noah. Naked Noah. The fellow who walked with God, the great boat builder, he's in shame and disgust, laying naked in his tent. Well, preacher, I don't see anything wrong with it if it's in his tent. I really had a lot of trouble with this verse. Sociable drink in his tent. Maybe it got hot and he took his clothes off in his tent. What is wrong with that? Can't I get drunk in my house and take my clothes off and lay down under the air conditioner? Would that be all right? Your name's not Noah. Is there anything we can learn from a man who has walked with God for 600 years, worked diligently and served God in building the only boat of the day, gathering the animals at God's command. The Bible said that Noah obeyed God in every manner and rode the waves for over a year. And after the water had stopped, still lived in that ark for seven months on top of Mount Ariat, got off the boat, built an altar to God. And we find him just a few years later in a drunken stupor, shameful, bringing a curse on part of his family. Is there anything we can learn from that? I think we can learn, number one, that Sin 
is not a respecter of persons. Just go ahead and pinch yourself. Wake yourself up. There ain't nothing holy about that flesh you're walking around in. So you don't understand, preacher. I'm a preacher. I do understand Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He preached 120 years to the most violent, wicked, sinful, ungodly society you have ever seen. And in 120 years, he only got his household saved and everybody else was lost. Don't tell me I'm a preacher. You say, well, I'm a deacon. That's your problem. I want you to know something. You are not. I am not exempted from sin. The Bible says this very plainly. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I know a lot of folks that just cannot go to Cabello's without giving in to their lust. A lot of ladies cannot go to Walmart without seeing what's on sale. Lust. You don't have to get drunk to be sinful. It helps, but it does not necessitate you to get drunk to be sinful. Condemning others. Quick to judge. And every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and is enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Walk with God, preacher of righteousness. But one thing that Noah did not leave behind when he got on the ark, and that was Noah. You know what you brought to church with you today? A sinful nature. Everywhere you go, you take you with you. Paul said, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. He said, that which I would, I do not. That which I would not, that I do. Therefore, I find a law warring in my members, the law of sin that brings me into captivity. How long has it been since you've been mad at each other? How long has it been since one of you kids thought that your mom and dad was the dumbest creatures God ever created? Why can't I do that? Why can't I go there? Everybody else does. It's called obedience. It's called respect. What you need to realize, what I need to realize today, that none of us are exempted from lust. And that's not necessarily about some woman or some man. I realize when you're as good-looking as I am, you're just a walking lust pot for a lot of folks. <laughs> Made a guy sick. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, we've got aspirin out back, all right. Right. Uh, Andrew came over last night and uh, we had dinner and, and we was watching a good program and boy it wasn't long till the commercials came on if you do not have a what is that thing remote control in your hand when the commercials come on you just behooved all the lust you want to lust at they can't even sell dodges now without a naked woman of course I own a dodge and I can understand why I think Ford should get some women because I own a Ford too, all right? Hey, I, I want you to know something. You are not. I am not. What I learned from this, if sin got Noah and if sin picked up on Noah and if Noah could not outdo sin, you and I might ought to realize we better stay close to God. 
in a time of complacency, in a time when he was not working on the ark, in a time whenever he got comfortable, in a time that was convenient, Noah got drunk. How long been since you took your Bible and just shored up the spiritual part of you? How long has it been since you knelt and prayed, not for your preacher? You need it worse than I do. How long since it's been since you prayed five minutes for you? You say, that's selfish. <laughs> do it anyhow. If there's anybody in the world who needs prayer, it's you. I want you to pray for me. But don't pray for me until you get yourself prayed up. Because it don't help to pray for me if you're praying through carnality and sin and everything else in the world. How long has it been? I wonder if maybe some of us today, like old Noah, have become complacent. Thinking that sin is not going to catch us. Well, I know it's called some of you because I'm looking at your face. And your face always gives away your heart. You knew that, don't you? I can just mention the word tithe. Honest. And I'm not preaching on it, but I can just mention it. And some of you turn white all over. Look like a vampire bat. Got a hold of your toe and sucked all the blood out. A fellow left our church one time because he said, you're preaching to people's faces. I said, what else? What other part of your anatomy would you like me to preach to? If you'll expose it, I'll preach to it. He got mad and left. I don't guess he wanted to expose it. Oh, yeah. I learned from this that I better watch it. Because I am not exempt from sin. I need to close. Something else I learned from the text. My family is watching me. Noah got drunk. But the Bible said in verse 22, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. My family is watching me. Your family is watching you. With what's going on in your relationship, what does your kids think of marriage? What's marriage all about? We live in a day when folk don't have to get married. They, they, they think maybe that there's nothing wrong with it and, and by the way it's a lot safer uh, is your kids watching any family members watching uh, we we are against uh, same sex marriage and are we not well, we ought to be for heterosexual marriage then. Isn't it amazing? Two men stress more priority on getting married than a man and a woman. I mean, they're, they're, they are lobbying. They're spending millions of dollars trying to get same-sex marriage in okay in this country. And we are tearing down heterosexual marriage by just living together. I, I don't know, but I'd kind of like for my kids to see a marriage that honors God. And let me have you, some kids bear the marks of the sins of the parents 
throughout their whole lifetime. Noah's sin not only affected Noah, it affected his son, Ham, and it has for eons affected Canaan, his grandson. Canaan was cursed by his grandfather for the sin of his father. If you know anything about Bible history, of what lineage was Sodom and Gomorrah? The most evil Wicked, society was the Canaanites. Nineveh was a city of the Canaanites. The archaeologists have dug in that area And the shovel and the spade has turned up more pornography in the Polynesian and in the Canaanite areas of the world. What that society looked at, practiced, would make the pornography of today look like a Sunday school class. You say, I don't believe that. Won't you just go home and study it then? Moses is writing this book as the children of Israel is going in to Canaan. What tribe opposed God's nation and the nation of Israel more than any other tribe from entering the promised land? The Canaanites. Noah's sin has affected not only his grandson and his grandson's lineage, but the nations of the world. One sin. Drunk, naked, Ham looked. Now notice, if you would please, Ham the father of the black Swahili Polynesian races. Ham was not cursed. Canaan was cursed. The black race was not cursed. Sorry, southern folk. Canaan, one of Ham's sons, the younger son was cursed. His lineage was cursed. No more Canaanites exist today. So, Ham was not cursed. All I got to, out of this is that some of the family is watching. Well, I'd hate for one of my kids, I'd hate to have my kids to look at a fallen daddy. I'd hate to look in the eyes of Andrew and Mandy and Gene Jr. and David and Laura and Darla. And I'd hate to look into the face of one of my kids that I disappointed to the nth degree. What did I learn from this? My kids are watching. Get Andrew out behind the building and see if you can convince him that Daddy took a drink. Go get one of the kids and see if you can convince him that Daddy said a cuss word. Somebody told somebody lately that the reason they're not coming back here is because I cussed them out. 
Well, that's probably true. I've never cussed anybody out that didn't need it. That's what, that's what Truman said. I thought it would be good. Can I please leave with you? You are not exempted from sin. Number two, your kids are watching you. Number three, it's a matter of respect. What's a big deal about a man having a drink in his own tent, getting drunk, taking his clothes off in his own tent? What's so big about his son seeing him naked? What, 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 what's the big deal? And I, I really had a lot of trouble with that. Because in the day in which we live, that, that may be a common deal. Daddy at home gets drunk, takes his clothes off, kids see him, and we live happily ever after. What's the big deal? What's the problem? And I read something about the text. The problem is that we really don't see the problem. The problem is respect. Ham looked at Daddy, glued it at Daddy, and went outside and advertised the fact that he had seen Daddy. The other two boys took their father's robe and laid on their shoulders and backed up into the tent and covered Daddy in respect and left Daddy there without gloating about a drunken Daddy who was disrespectful. Probably more than likely in our society, we've already passed the point of disrespect because what we're watching on our televisions is nothing but prime time immorality. Baptists are dressing the way that prostitutes used to. Men no longer respect the house of God. Man, I remember when somebody slapped you down if you walked in the auditorium with something to drink or to eat. Now singers can't sing without having a bottle of water that tall. Amen, Reverend, you got that right. It's a matter of respect. We've done past that. I wonder just morally what it would take to shock you. You can bet Daddy getting drunk with no clothes on probably wouldn't do much for you because we've already passed that point a long time ago. Respect. Well, the greatest thing I've ever done is give Ginger my name out of respect. She don't like it because she don't know how to spell it. Out of respect. See, that don't bother us anymore. The problem is we don't see the problem. Problem is, we think nothing at all about breaking God's commandments anymore. Amen. We think nothing about forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. What would it take for you to miss Sunday night service? Just a little bit of disrespect for God. Disrespect for this book. I'm just saying, the problem is, what I learned from the text is, 
I didn't really recognize the problem. Listen, because I was the problem. I'm past. I am past morality. I've joined a society that can watch anything on that television and not be shocked or shamed. Especially the kids that sleep at night. Could I close with this? Thank God for grace. <laughs> Noah didn't lose his salvation. He just lost his testimony. And thank God by grace are you saved through faith. Is anybody glad of that? I'm glad that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and God knew Noah and God saved Noah and God blessed Noah even though Noah got drunk. Have you ever said, if I had a second chance, I'd do it better? You're lying. Did you hear me? If you had a second chance, you'd fail again. Third chance, you'd fail again. Fourth chance you'd fell again. <laughs> no other second chance. Have you been saved? Have you failed miserably since you've been saved? Thank God for grace. Are you glad for grace? For by grace are you saved, not your works, lest any man should boast. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by which, now listen, we have access by faith into his grace. Noah was a failure, but so are we. And Jesus Christ came to this earth to save failures. Are you glad of that? I said, are you glad of that? You say, preacher, if I got saved, will I fail again? Yes, you will. When? Today. In a little while, especially if you got kids, right? Come on, can you say amen? How many of you have been mad at me already today? Don't say amen. <laughs> Thank God for grace. But we can learn some things from Noah. We can learn that we're not exempt from sin. Family is watching. Amen. I said, amen.